0: What's up, Jabronis? Welcome back to Two on Five Podcast, your one-stop shop for all your top five lists. I'm Drake. I'm Brett. I'm Third Wheel Brian. And we're back again with another special episode of Three on Five, covering the video game systems of our generation. Today, we are covering the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, Nintendo Wii, and we went ahead and threw in the Nintendo Wii U. Um uh, just basically, it was a yeah, it, it crossed over both generations. We decided to tuck it here. One of the special things about these systems, though, is is this the ball game really exploded with these systems? You know, in the sense that they were true entertainment systems. You know, we we were able to watch movies and Blu-rays and also access streaming services you know, with these systems. And so this was the first time that not only was your system a DVD player too, but it was able to do all of these other entertainment uh, things that made them more of an investment. And also we saw video game technology speed way up and uh, get with the times with these systems. So a lot of good stuff here.
1: But yeah, these were the first HD systems, so I mean that this is when HD became, you know, a thing, and it was interesting because, um, and it's something that I think you can just track with video games by generation. You see ri- the rise and fall of companies, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this was the, this was the generation where Sony really took it in the fucking face, at least for a good three quarters of it. By the end, uh, their worldwide numbers actually leveled them out to where microsoft was but you know for a long time the 360 was the was the only game like you didn't want to have a ps3
2: right you you also saw you also saw nintendo continue to innovate um the wii obviously with the motion controllers the wii u with that the tablet that's more or less the i mean it's the prototype for the switch now but as much as they innovated they also still played catch up and they're still doing it today. I remember, you know, these other systems have Netflix and then Nintendo's like, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Let's get Netflix on there then like nine months later they're like, We have a Netflix app and everybody's like, Yeah, I know, I got it on my three sixty and it's for whatever reason and they've always been behind on the online component of the games. The they don't have true online. They have, Hey, hit me with your friend code and we can play a limited version of the game which hopefully one of these days they'll figure out but
1: I don't. I actually don't think they will. I think for them, it's a feature. Uh, I think they like the fact that it's a lot of work to play together because it, it protects that family friendly image they've got. Yeah. Like they they aren't. They don't have to worry about little kids talking to weirdos because guess what? You basically can't talk on a Nintendo game. You know, like.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, they they definitely do. Like, it's a bit of a shelter. I, I would say, the times. That I got called incredible racist like racial slurs on the Xbox three sixty was in the hundreds playing like Call of duty. nobody's ever nobody's ever hit me with that on on Wii, and i I guess I appreciate that, but it'd be nice to play with play with the boys, you know,
0: but that that's another thing that we touched on here is the online capability of these systems, especially the three sixty and the PlayStation three, were light years ahead of anything we had messed with before. Uh, you know, with the Xbox Live and PlayStation Network, like they Xbox especially really got the kinks worked out early. And, you know, this was a the most reliable online system that we had had. And uh, you see that in a lot of the games, too. You know, the ability to play deep online games with your friends. Uh, you know, this is really the first generation that, that got it right.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, let's let's start let's start our lists and categorize the best games um my my number five game is not an online game it is a single player game for the playstation 3 it is a game called tokyo jungle uh this is a game that came out in 2012 and it's definitely one of the weirder games on this on anybody's lists. um it takes place in tokyo uh but a deserted Tokyo that's been overrun and you start out as an animal and basically um, the beginning of it you're a uh, herbivore, I think you're like a deer or something. And the whole Pomeranian.
2: Moment's... I think you start as a Pomeranian, don't you? She's uh, just a little puppy?
1: I, th- I thought that, I thought you started as a deer, but either way, it's right. hilarious. Well, it, well, the, the point of it is you start out as a very weak animal, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to uh, gain territory, mate, gain, and basically um, you you gain uh, more lives and stuff the more offspring you have, and what you're eventually doing is you're exploring um, this thing of Tokyo, and you're completing challenges, and challenges unlock other animals, and it's just it's so weird like you're marking territory so you're just pissing everywhere and then you are trying to mate but you want to find the hottest one to mate with because there's well, scrub yeah. females that you can mate yeah. with and and the good females the good females give you like more offspring and by the end of it like you're unlocking stuff like velociraptors and like tigers and there's a story to it that you're picking up through these memory cards that you find around, and it's basically like these scientists were, like, they went a little crazy and somehow um, infected these animals, and these animals just kind of wiped everything out. And it's it's just a weird game, and it's a lot of fun. It was, um, it, was a, it was a budget title. It wasn't super expensive. And this is a game that I wish they'd bring back. It was just so bizarre. And Um, I kind of was thinking that they might bring it back. It was right near the end of the PS3's life. It was one of the PlayStation Plus free titles. And I was like, oh man, maybe they're getting ready. No, nothing. And it's a Sony published game. So who knows? But anyway, Tokyo Jungle. It's great, guys.
2: Yeah. Props to the first game to, uh, have dog sex in it. Um, real quick aside, there was a game on Super Nintendo. Don't know if you ever played it called the EVO. It was called EVO, The Search for Eden. It was the same type of game where it's like you started as – I think you, you were just a fish. And then like you would get experience as you went and you would level up and you could you'd eventually get feet, fangs. Same type of game where it's just it, – it's the progress except Tokyo Jungle like took it up, took it up a level and you – a lot of it was timed. And I remember that being really, really freaking hard. It's like you had like 12 days to do this, find a mate. And if you didn't, you'd die of old age. And it's like, well, shit, there goes everything. But yeah, really <laughs> weird, really weird indie title, but so much fun.
0: I did not play Japanese Darwin, so I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, all right. You're, you're not wrong. I mean, like it's it's a weird goddamn game. And I mean, it was I feel like this was all those games where if you weren't super plugged into like games, media and stuff, you probably didn't hear about it like it. It just wasn't that big so well
2: um, moving on to my number five and looking at my list you know we just talked about the online capabilities of, of these systems and how they really came of age but some of the games on this the, some of the single player experiences on these systems were just amazing. Um, my number five is Skyrim. Um, it's a Bethesda game who they've kind of been I mean they, they're one of the big developers anymore. every game that they come out with is a AAA. But it's um, Skyrim's. uh, It's an Elder Scrolls game. It's a deep, very customizable, very big um, RPG, and it's just the. It was one of the first times um, Bethesda tried to do like the never-ending game, where the side quests would keep populating no matter what. You could keep leveling up. I mean, you could you could spend. 500 hours with the same character and become proficient in every type of magic every type of weapon and just a huge game you know the story is the story is you know like the story of most rpgs are hey you wouldn't believe it you're the only one that can save the world go do it but it, it just it offered a huge amount of custom uh customizability it offered a huge world and it was just it was it was a great game all around
0: yeah I think you hit it. The, the size of this game was something that really kept it. I mean, guys played this for guys and girls played this for years because it just never stopped. You know, there was always something or even if you wanted to start from scratch and, you know, build a new character, you could dump another 500 hours into this game and have a different experience. And, I mean, we're going to see a couple of Bethesda games, you know, on these lists right now. This is really where they kind of take reach for the crown um, for console gaming and the size of the games they produce is, is a common theme.
2: One of the other beautiful things about the game, like you said, though, you can start a new character and you, you can go that route or you can keep leveling up and you can just throw... Your points into another skill tree, and you find the white the right weapons, and you're good to go. You know, you were you were a magic user, and congrats, now you're a rogue. Let's roll. And I kind of like that you you could fill any role.
1: I think the 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 interesting thing about this game for me was like when you'd read about like how people were playing it and how differently they would end up playing it than the way you played it was. Yeah, like you'd read about the people who like like there were people who. Adamantly refuse to use fast travel; they would walk everywhere, and like to me, that's mind blowing. Like, what the fuck are you doing?
2: Who's got the or, time?
1: <laughs> or like the people that would be like, "I'm going to be a vampire," and so like they go get bit, and then they just are a vampire the rest of the time.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's just like a werewolf too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And and I mean, uh, it's a, I guess it's a feature slash bug in Bethesda games, but like as always, I big open world games always amuse me for the fact that there is a main quest and that, like this it's very urgent, but I need to go over here now. I have to get
2: these cheese wheels yes, for this old lady yes. in town.
1: here. And I mean, I've got to, you know, I've got to break into this guy's house and read all of his books. I <laughs> to tell you, I'm sorry. <laughs> so.
0: Well, as we continue to talk about some of the technologically advanced games, you know, in this generation, uh, it's all well and good. They're pretty, they're big games and super deep and storytelling, but sometimes I just need to be an eight bit wrestling fan that jacks off his lightsaber in order to charge it up and slice through jabronis. My number five is the wheeze. No more heroes. Uh, You play a dude named Travis who Travis, Travis touchdown, Travis touchdown. Um, who hangs out in his apartment and watches wrestling VHS tapes and learns suplexes and shit and hangs out with his cat. And then he decides to become an assassin. And his goal is to take down all of the top assassins on the list in order to win. Uh, Super crazy, super far out ideas. I mean, this is a Suda51 game and everything's always a little bit funky with him. But... The themes are very adult. You know, that's one thing, even though the Nintendo is this family system, this is not a game you can play in front of your kids.
1: Uh, well, you can. You could for <laughs> a little while. No, I mean, like, you, you always can. I'm not saying that's a great plan, and it depends on what you want to happen with your kids. But you right. can.
2: Th- this is daddy time, and they can,
1: they yeah. can
0: be there or not. Uh, Nintendo did a good job of... You know, it was simplified combat. You pretty much just mash the A button until you win. But then it was able to incorporate the motion controls, you know, to finish off combos where you would swipe the the mote in a certain direction in order to finish off the combo. Um, you know, there was nothing super pretty about this game. I mean, it was pretty bare bones, but it was fun. The story was fun, creative, and... You know, even though the combat felt simple at times, it was easy to dump hours into. So, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm actually looking at rebooting this sometime and enjoying it when my kids are asleep.
1: <laughs> well, there's a sequ- there's a straight sequel coming to the Switch, so yeah. Um, I think that what the one of the coolest things about this game is, like you were saying, it's not pretty and it's pretty simple, but it was so stylized like they knew exactly what they were doing and uh like the game just oozes style and i just thought it was a really meta takedown on video gaming just in general um like like you said like this guy who's a loser and then he's going to like take out all the best assassins and it's literally because it's a video game and that's what you do you know what i mean like it was just and he's got a lightsaber now because sure, you know, and it, like it, it felt like it was commenting on like how ridiculous what you were doing was not
0: only video games, but like bro culture. You know, there were a mm-hmm. few swipes at just the, the culture of this guy that was very broy, hanging out, watching wrestling, fucking shit up with swords. And then you realize like he is kind of a loser,
2: uh, but he's your loser. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. This is one of the few games on the list that, that missed me. I, I, For whatever reason, like I know about it. I've seen it. I just never played it. But I did know after you put it on your list, I started doing some research and I saw that there was a sequel coming. Hopefully they'll release the original on the Switch as well so I can get caught up on what sounds like a fun game. I like, I like fucking stuff up.
0: Moving on to my number four. uh, This one's a little bit prettier, a little bit more in depth. Uh, PlayStation 3's God of War 3 Uh, came out in 2010. This one also got some overlap and, you know, got put on the PS4 later on. But the thing about this game in particular is the opening sequence. We talked about it last episode with the God of War games and how big they start. And then they just keep you on a path to to continue to climb that mountain and even go bigger. But this one kicks off with a battle against Poseidon. That is epic is the only way to describe it. And, you know, it's this huge ass battle where you're where you're taking down Poseidon and more of the same stuff that we talked about before with God of War three, with the original God of War, um, you know, creative, fun sport storytelling. And, you know, this was for the ps 3s generation you know this was as good as it got in the god of war franchise and so it's uh it deserves to be on the list uh still a fun game you know it's been remastered like i said for ps4 i have a feeling that this trilogy will be remastered until the end of time uh for every system that sony puts out they're they're gonna put the god of war trilogy out there for us to run through and
2: i'm here for it yeah oh yeah Um, this one, uh, when I when we talked about this last episode, the boss fights always get brought up. This one had some of the most gruesome, um, finishing for bosses because the bosses for this one are a lot of like the lesser gods. It's Icarus, it's Hermes, it's Helios, and I think it's it. it, it's got to be Icarus, but you need his wings, and you track him down and you beat him, and then it makes you do a quick time event. Where you put your foot on his back and just tear his wings off, so they're yours, I guess.
1: <laughs> Dude, you but, literally decapitate Helios and then carry his head around for the
2: whole a, and use game. it I, as it, a lantern. It, like the things, the things they did in, with these boss fights. Like there were some of them. Like I, I, don't get me wrong, I like the blood and gore, but there were some of them. Like Jesus Christ, I have to like pause it and like compose myself. Like just watched a <laughs> snuff film, but. Um, yeah, so they, they ramped up the boss levels, but I also remember the puzzles in this one being – yeah like they weren't just puzzles. Some of them were hard, and I had to look up what the name was, but it was the di- uh, di- di- Diadlus. It's that big um, suspended cube puzzle. Daedalus. That one – yeah, that one is hard like straight up hard for anybody who who likes puzzles. So they kind of just, they they took everything and they put it on steroids and, you know, beautiful game. Like you said, one of the killer apps for the PS3. This
1: was, this was, this is the high, for me, this is the high watermark for the franchise. Like, I think it's just, it's so batshit. Like, and, and like, and it just kind of revels in it, especially like by the end where it's like, and now, oh, no, Zeus was your dad the whole time. And you're like, what? All right. And now you're going to kill him. And then uh, it's just, you're just like, by the end of it, like, I was like, well, we have to be done, at least in Greece, because there are no more gods. I right. just We killed them all. Th- I just killed them all.
2: Yeah. They the are end all of the, dead. The end of the game is you kill Zeus and then Athena pops out and there's something about the, um, there's something about. He, he ends up killing himself with Zeus's sword, like literally falling on it and just poking it through his back. And you're like, what the
1: fuck just happened?
2: What yeah. are we doing anymore? Yep. But it's, but it's great.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it, it was, it's just, it's like, and, and basically we, we, where you were talking about like how gruesome was, like it became just almost a joke. And like, and not, and not in, like a bad way, but like, you're just kind of cracking up because you're like, what the, what <laughs> over and over. That's the whole yeah. game. And it's, it's so good.
2: Love it's it. great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, moving on to my number four. Uh, it's another Bethesda game. It's another huge single player game. Um, it's Fallout Three. Um, Fallout was Fallout was a, a series before, but it existed only on computer. It was a they were real time strategy games, and they took about a know, 12, 13 year hiatus, and they came back in this giant um this giant rpg world and it's it's interesting it's a it's an alternate history of the united states basically um they kind of, like the united states kind of stops in the 1950s we enter the like the, that cold war era and it continues on until like tw- it's 2077 and then china nukes us and everything's kind of stopped f- froze in in that time period this game takes place 200 years after that. So um, they call it The Wasteland. It's basically Washington, D.C. and the surrounding area. And overall, your main mission, I guess, is to purify water for, for the wastelanders. But while you're getting to that point, you're finding this huge, um, this, this, this huge story, this amazing amount of lore that takes place since the bombs dropped in 2077. to to current day 2277 so you've got like you'll you'll be just exploring around and you'll find you'll find a bunker and it's just got a Chinese soldier in there and he's got a journal on him read it if you want to it's 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 great lore um the the world is the world is huge it's got it's got humans in it they call them wastelanders the people the humans that survived were all in underground vaults there are there are ghouls which are people that were outside of the vaults and basically just radiation poisoned humans. I mean, it's just it's a wild crazy world. It's it's very um wild wild westy, but stuck in the fifties. Wild, it's, wild <laughs> west. Yeah yeah. yeah.
0: We're going the wild Mechanical wild west. spiders oh, and shit.
2: shit. Uh, ah, yeah. damn near. I mean, no. How about just big fucking rats? I mean your your weapons your weapons are made out of pipes or they're baseball bats with nails in them. it's you know whatever you want it to be the, the game is huge the lore is what what really keeps me coming back to that game though
1: i'm gonna keep it short because this game comes back um a little bit later but uh i i really i i, I love this uh this this for me what basically the reason i love fallout three and why i probably prefer it to skyrim is like this feels complete and believable in a way that it's hard for me to buy into skyrim and i and i don't get me wrong i, I played the fucking shit out of skyrim i literally completed every quest line but fallout just it's just it, it, there's a lot there's a lot of shitty people in it and there's a lot of shitty things that happen and it just feels like it could have happened I don't know, especially for how ridiculous it actually is. So anyway, um, my number four is it's Rock Band. Uh, <laughs> so um, I we, we talked about Guitar Hero and Harmonix. You know, they, they kept going after Guitar Hero. They made Guitar Hero 2. And um, then the Guitar Hero franchise was two different companies that they come together to make. Guitar Hero, it was Harmonix did the programming and Red Octane did the peripherals. And at that point, Activision bought Red Octane. And in doing and then they were the already the ones publishing Guitar Hero, so they had the name. So Harmonix did not want to do it anymore. They wanted to self-publish, so they left and they made Rock Band. Rock Band was a fucking joy. Uh, it, um, instead of just having guitar lines, they decided that you could play guitar, you could play bass, you could play drums, you could play, you could have somebody singing and you could all do it at the same fucking time. And they made sure that they had an insane track list. Their charting is just so much better than like, I mean, it was just noticeable where guitar Hero's charting was great, great, great. And then, oh, now it's not harmonics. Now their charting is trash. Where like the note charting for the gameplay on Rockman was always on point. Um, I actually remember the first time I got to play this was with Brian. Uh, we had went to the casino, yeah, and uh, Brian had himself a good night.
2: That one time and, I won,
1: and, and yeah, okay, <laughs> and uh, we were coming back, and so he decided to drop a bunch of money on the band in a box, and we hooked it up and the amount of hours we played that at the Marley house is nuts. And
2: P- puddle just, of puddle of butt mud had more fans than anybody. I mean, it's, it was unbelievable.
1: And like, it was just, it was just a super clever way of, you know, getting your buddies together. Like, yeah. and that track, that track list was so varied that there'd be something for everybody even if people like didn't want to learn how to play the like the plastic guitar they might they might play the drum set or they might sing you could it was just so much fun and like i get why it died like they oversaturated the market and there's it's hard to continually bring people together to play that like mm-hmm. in college was perfect but man for a good like two-year run there was no better game to have
2: what was what was really good was was the downloadable content they put forward. So they give you obviously the set list right off of the C D or off of the D V D whatever the hell it was, Blu-ray. But then they I mean it was like every Friday they would throw like fifty more songs up for download and it got to the point where there were thousands of songs. If you had a if you heard a hot new song on the radio and you wanted to play it on Rock Band, you're gonna be able to download it. It was awesome it was and they just they just kept them coming and that's part of maybe why it got you know oversaturated like you said but man it, it when that when that came out it was the perfect time for us to sit hang and just kill 3 hours playing that
0: perfect party game uh you know this was a lot of fun to get everybody together and and play i do think that this is a good example of the future being present with the downloadable content, you know, the ease at which you could download new songs was something that we hadn't experienced before on other generations of consoles. So to be able to go, you know, two button clicks and buy a new song that you could play on rock band was, it was the future for us. And so, Good, good use of that. Also, the the peripherals that came with it. I wasn't as big of a fan of mm-hmm. the rock band guitar. I liked the I liked the Guitar Hero buttons because they were they came out of the neck, whereas the rock so, band guitar, yeah. you know, they were well in the strummer parallel with the neck. Yeah, um, it felt it, it, it felt <laughs> yeah. it felt cheaper. It felt cheaper. It did, but they made up for it on the drum set. You know, the the drum set was really good quality. It it stayed together, Um, you know, really felt like a a drum simulator in your house. And so all in all, I mean, other than the guitar being, you know, leaving me wanting a little bit more um, in in general, the peripherals were solid for this and they were durable, which with a party game,
1: you know, that kind of stuff has to be durable.
0: Yeah. Well, like great pick.
1: I I I, I'm gonna let it go, but like, there was just nothing better than when like you and three buddies fucking nailed it. Like when you guys just, you know, you got a five star and you just rocked it. it, Like it just felt good, you know. Like (laughs) Like, and like you're not doing anything really, but man, you felt like you really.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but 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 they were cheering and they were cheering (laughs) for me.
1: All right, uh, moving on to number three. Um, number three, uh, Red Dead Redemption. Uh, this is my number three pick. This is Brian's number three pick. And we're, we're absolutely right. This game ruled. It uh, It refined what I liked about Grand Theft Auto and gave me a story that I actually gave a shit about. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the main character in this was one of my is still one of my favorite characters in gaming ever and then he was only topped by the character you play in the sequel uh for me i I love the new guy but um john marston's great and the end of red dead
2: is it's it it is worthy of some of the best it's worthy of some of the best western movies that have ever come out I mean, it. it you could have you could have made a movie yep. called Red Dead Redemption and done the exact same thing you did in the game, and that motherfucker wins awards. I mean, it, it wins big awards. It was. It's. I mean, it's not really a spoiler alert if you tell him now. <laughs> it's been ten years, but <laughs> it, it, it. The long and short of it is is John Marston is he belonged to a, a an outlaw gang. He tries to go straight. Years later, the feds show up and they say, you need to bring your gang back to, you know, bring them to justice or you're going in. So he goes, he hunts them all down. And then the agents, after all said and done, he kills, he kills the, the last, you know, the, the boss of the gang and the agents double cross him. They show up at his house. There's a huge shootout. John Marston sacrifices himself so his family can get away and then his son jack three years later goes finds the fucker challenges him to a duel and kills him I, it was awesome it was awesome and i i don't know why i haven't played that game every month for the rest you know since it came out and for the rest of my life it's just it's a great game it, it brings everything you like in um the grand theft auto was the, the really expansive um side quests but you know they're They put them back in the early 1900s. You're not, you're not going out there and like busting drug rings. You're finding hidden treasure. You're hunting the, the elusive bears up in the mountains. Uh, and I, it's just, it's an amazing game with an amazing story. And if anybody out there hasn't played it, or it's been a while since you played it, do it again. Treat Treat yourself.
0: I'm kind of disappointed that this one didn't make my list because I do feel the same way about this game. Uh, loved it. It felt so much bigger and grown up from its predecessors with the Red Dead Revolver games that came out on PlayStation 2. They those focused more around the gunfights, you know, the the duels and they were fun and creative, you know, but they were short. You know, they were relatively short games and Red Dead Redemption did a good job of calling back to the duels and that technology, the Deadeye technology, uh, but gave us this great big story that could have been a Sergio Leone movie. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's solid all the way around, you know, that idea of, Hey, let's make Grand Theft Auto a horse. Grand Theft and, Auto horse, baby. You know, like it, it works. Yeah. Like it just works, you know, the traveling around West Texas, North Mexico area, you know, you really get a feel for the landscape. Uh, you get a feel for how desolate it is, but you know, even in the, that desolate setting, there's so much going on, whether that be the animals, whether that be, you know, other criminals that are out there, like there's a lot going on in that world, even if it looks big, open and empty. You know, there's always something to do with this game. And the story's great. It's beautiful.
2: uh, Just a lot of fun.
1: This game probably has the single greatest piece of DLC ever.
2: Thank you. I'm glad you said it.
1: Like, Undead Nightmare came out later. It is essentially its own campaign. It is... It's so funny. It's perfect. And so well done. And,
2: like, it's just... they made such they made the game such a finality at the end that there was nothing they couldn't do anything else but people like they needed more of this game because it was such it was so good so undead nightmare they literally bring you back as a zombie and like the entire like the maps a little bit smaller but it's it's just kind of this new hellscape and it's it's absolutely hilarious but it's still like it's you have to play it 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 doesn't follow anything from the previous story unlike any other dlc but you have to play it yeah undead bears
1: well and then like track zombie down, bear like, let's the, go the four Fuck horses it. of the horsemen of the apocalypse mm-hmm. so, oh, no, it's just i like it's great like red dead is maybe the pinnacle of what rockstar's done it just it depends on how you feel about you know what like different things but mm-hmm. it's just it's the most mature thing they've ever done and i i think that's I think that's, that's a good call. Agreed.
0: So my number three, also another Rockstar game, but a little bit more traditional. My number three is Grand Theft Auto 4. Um, you know, this was a game that we were all waiting for when it came out. You know, we were, we we're waiting for this to drop on the new system. Uh, and they decided to go a little bit of a different direction with the story. You know, rather than have that typical mobster story, you know, we get an Eastern European immigrant as our uh, protagonist. And, you know, watching Nico kind of come up from nothing, you know, and try and make it in New York City was a big part of that story. While you've still got all of the criminal elements and, you know, all of the political elements that go into a Grand Theft Auto story, you got to see it from a little bit different perspective than we're used to, you know, it wasn't a Ray Liotta type character, you know, that we were driving through the story. We were, we were taking somebody that, uh, you know, deserves to be seen. And I feel like Rockstar did as good of a job as Rockstar can to tell the story from that perspective. You know, I mean, Rockstar does a really good job of, of being facetious at times and being silly, but, You know, that little bit of nuance by having a character that was an immigrant was something that really you weren't expecting in a Grand Theft Auto game. And I I felt like that made it that much more special. Um, There's some things about this game, obviously, that are annoying. You know, the calls from your cousin. Great big
2: American (laughs) TTs.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So there's some things that they kind of make tedious with this game that are frustrating, but in general, just the story and, you know, making everything bigger and better for the next generation, uh, you know, rockstar is very good at what they do. And so this easily for me could have been swapped out for red dead redemption, but, uh, either way, you know, I think rockstar holds a pretty solid number three spot for this generation of consoles.
2: Yeah. I I really liked, um, getting dropped back into Liberty city again. Um, getting to see that, you know, eight, nine years later from, from Grand Theft Auto three to Grand Theft Auto four, getting just, you kind of get the same city, you get a little bit of update and you get it from a different perspective. And I always thought that was, like you said, they handled it really well. I thought it was very interesting the way they did that, but you know, Grand Theft Auto is, it's exactly what you think it is. And that's not a bad thing ever. It's, you're gonna get a game. There's gonna be some explosions. There's gonna be a lot of bullets. You're gonna have a lot of fun.
1: Um, this one added some interesting weirdness. Like, I'm gonna go watch a Cat Williams comedy show. I guess. Yeah.
2: Like, yeah <laughs> call up, right. call up that girl on your cellie um, and see if she wants to come with you. Yeah, they had that weird dating. Yeah,
1: you know, like it. Yeah, it was like there. Like there was some weirdness and like i i like it when rockstar gets a little weird like you never like it's so easy for them to just make everything tried and true and like i like to see them pushing the boundaries a little bit and the other thing i really appreciated about this was like after the game came out it had been a while the two post-game dlcs again right um i really really like the mm-hmm. biker gang one uh i thought that was actually really well done and it forced me to ride a motorcycle which i never do in those games because if you tap anything you go flying but like the story there was really cool and just very different from the main story of GTA 4 like it would like I mean it was a character that had been in that but other than that it was quite different than this immigrant story and that was interesting to see and like again the full, like you know pretty meaty DLCs like I mean well worth the money So,
0: and, and that's, they jumped on a pretty good wave there too, with, you know, Sons of Anarchy being popular at the time, you know, so incorporating this motorcycle gang DLC was an easy fit, but then, you know, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure in a later episode, but you get to Grand Theft Auto five and you see some of those same elements get expanded, especially in Trevor's world, you know, you see a lot more of the, uh, the white trash side of things you know, in that. And so I I feel like that DLC was a good jumping off point for that. That's a good pick. All right. Moving on to my number two. Um, This one is this entire franchise is always going to be fun for me, but my number two for this generation is Batman Arkham city came out in 2011. Um, Second installment of the Batman Arkham franchise. The first one being Arkham asylum, where you were locked up in Arkham Asylum, and you had to fight your way out, um, you know, and beat the Joker from his. He had plans within Arkham, but then this this game decides to expand it to Gotham City, and we really get a lot more of that open world feel that we see in you know a lot of the Rockstar games again, but the ability to be Batman and glide through Gotham city was one of the best feelings I ever had in a video game. Uh, You know, it only got topped later on the next generation when Spider-Man came out, but this ability to float through the city and jump from perch to perch as Batman and then enter into the predator mode to take down goons Uh, was one of the most gratifying things that I'd ever played on a video game. The story's good. I mean, it's a typical comic book story. There's some twists and turns and some double crosses. Um, But just the the playability of this, the combat was easy. It had a free flow combat system that allowed you to kind of punch your way through a whole pile of goons at once. But, you know, that feeling of being able to be Batman in Gotham City, was you know bar none a a great feeling
1: um i i i really like this game i i actually thought it was a step back from arkham asylum uh i think that by expanding it they lost what the narrative momentum that i felt like arkham asylum did really well uh and that's not to say this is a bad game it's it's a great game it's a lot of fun um, I think it was neat, just the crazy amount of villains they somehow crammed into this game, and like the wild ones they referenced, like when you're walking and Calendar Man <laughs> is fucking there, and like, all right, or or when Solomon Grundy showed up, and I was like, okay,
0: born on a Sunday,
1: yeah, you know, like here we go, anybody is fucking fair game here. Um, the Catwoman stuff was awesome. I thought yeah. that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, like that's me and eh, no, Batman Returns forever, but it's my second favorite Catwoman thing ever. So, I mean, you know, sorry, you're not Michelle Pfeiffer. So, but who who is right? Right, but no, it's it's, it's a great game. Um, like my, I think my biggest problem with it is the side stuff got to a point where I lost the thread of the main story and i'm not sure i could tell you what happens in that game uh okay like i think at the end you climb a giant tower yeah does that sound right
0: yeah you fight a big joker
1: yeah
2: yeah yeah he's hopped up on whatever makes bane big isn't he yeah 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 he's got whatever he's got whatever makes bane big and yeah you gotta beat that ass and you know win because that'd be a stupid game otherwise right
1: but yeah, like I, I feel like basically that's also just a matter of taste. Where like if if you like the open world stuff, this is this is your shit. This right. is it right here, mm-hmm. you know. Like, and um, the the other thing that you didn't mention, and I do want to bring it up before we before we forget it, is just the Riddler stuff. Some oh that yeah, stuff is so cool. Like mm-hmm. and just like and completely optional. And that's the thing I really like about it. Like you do as much of that as you want so
2: yeah um i played i played all of these i've played every batman game since ps3 and they're they're a ton of fun and you know i i know batman but i wouldn't i'm not going to call myself a comic book nerd or graphic novel nerd like you guys might and so what i really like about them is they bring up a lot of again the lore they they when you come across a character you can it unlocks a little uh, entry and you can read about them you can see where they came out first what they're all about and i I appreciated that but the the big thing about the batman series that i like is the fluid combat Mm -hmm. Uh, like the combat just feels so crisp and if you're good at it as long as you don't mess up that button push man you can string hundreds of hits together and that feels awesome but all it takes all it takes especially later on when you get guys that have shields and stuff all it takes is one misstep And you get mobbed on by like six dudes and it's game over. Let's start again.
0: It's got the same feel as like the God of War games, you know, where you're, you're jamming Mm -hmm. on square, hitting, throwing in a circle push every now and then to roll out of the way and then counter. But uh, yeah, that, that feel of being able to slide all around the battlefield and, you know, make it seem reasonable for one man to take down dozens of enemies uh, you know they mm-hmm. they did it really well.
2: One other thing that we should say is for people about our age is um, they brought back a lot of the veteran writers and they brought back Mark Hamill to do the Joker. Yeah, which he 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 jumps in for the big stuff here and there, but he's not you know full time Joker. But for people our age who watch the animated series a lot, you know it was a, it was a nice touch of the familiar. All right, uh, I guess we're on to number two uh, again. Me and Brett we share the same number too. You want to say it together, buddy? Bioshock. Yeah. Bioshock. Yeah. But (laughs) Bioshock. It's a, it's a 2k game. It came out in 07. And it was actually the reason that I bought an Xbox 360. I went over to Brett's house at the time. And he's like, Hey, you got to check. I was a PlayStation guy. I was a big PS2 guy. I love my Nintendo systems. Never really gone into the Xbox. He's like, you got to check this out. And he puts in Bioshock and you know there's a little bit of setup. You're on a plane, the plane goes down, and I and I'm just sitting watching the screen, and I got the controller sitting in front of me, and I sit there for like two minutes, and Brett's like, what the fuck are you doing? Pick it up and play it. I'm like, oh shit, I thought that was still the cutscene. It was so pretty. And then after that initial shock of like, what the hell's happening? You find this entire it's it's an amazing story it's a utopia turned dystopia um it, and basically the long and short of it is they make an underground they make an underground city where they bring the world's greatest minds thinking you know they're going to solve all of the world's problems down there but what in reality what happens is like everything else money and power corrupts it And they end up basically just like gene splicing themselves into these fucking horrible mutants. And you have to kind of unravel this entire story, but it's a, it, it it tells them, it tells a great story. It's an incredibly pretty game. It has a lot of good puzzle elements, just something different that I don't think I'd ever seen before. And it's always going to have a soft spot in my heart. Just a beautiful game. Tons of fun.
1: Yeah. Um, Bioshock is, like, first of all, I was prone to like this because this is literally a game that shits on Ayn Rand, and that's the entire purpose of the game, and it made me happy. Yep. Uh, Like, I mean, the whole thing, this is is an objectivist society, and it goes to fucking shit because that... I don't want to get, like, weird about it, but, like, it just goes to hell, and... Like, the way, the way they tell the story, like, was novel at the time. And now it's, like, almost a cliche, like, finding recordings and listening to them. And, uh, you know, it's never quite spelled out. Um, hearing all this stuff through a radio and, like, and then, I mean, it's got the best twist in gaming. So, mm. you know, like, it's really well done. Um, the gunplay is really good. And then all the different powers that you can have Mm -hmm. and the the ways you can combine all that stuff like, oh, man, that guy's standing in water, if I throw lightning at him, he's fucked or Mm -hmm. oh, there's oil on the ground, if I throw fire on it, you know, all that kind of stuff, just clever, clever game, super fun, Um, really good sequels, like both of them. Um, So
0: the thing that struck me about this game when I played it was how difficult the enemies could be even in random encounters or, uh, early spots of the game. Like when you first encounter a big daddy and, you know, like how long it takes you to, you know, solve that puzzle of beating a big daddy. And, you know, that was relatively early in the game. And then you've got to fight those fuckers for the rest of the game. Um, and so, it really didn't take it easy on you. You know, it kind of dropped you in the deep end of the pool and let you figure it out, which I appreciate. Uh, You know, because it felt like every battle had consequence, which is something that with a lot of these games, that's not necessarily the, the truth. And so, you know, I felt like you had to be smart about reserving your resources and, you know, making sure that you didn't expose yourself too much to, you know, encourage other enemies to show up in the battle. So, you know, just kind of made you think economically about the battle system, which I appreciated.
2: You also get a, you also get a, an interesting choice in there. The big daddies are protecting the the Eves, these little girls that are being raised for more or less sinister purposes. And you can either save them for rewards later, or you can harvest their their power yourself for like an immediate boost. So uh, I, you know, I've, i played, i played through that game enough times. I've done it both ways and it, it's just, it's a great game all around and it gets really philosophical and I, I enjoy that in a video game. It's, it's, um, it's probably as close to true art, um, that I've seen in video games, maybe barring, uh, the number one game, uh, which I guess we'll roll into right now. Um, me and Brett again, we have the same number one as well. Um, it's The Last of Us. It's um, it's a 2013 game by Naughty Dog, and I- I'm not even sure where to begin on this one. Go ahead and take it away, Brett. Where you? Well, at?
1: Um, this is a game that probably wouldn't be fun to play right now. No. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is set. In, it's set in the near future after uh some type of pandemic has basically wiped out most of the uh, population of the world and the people that are lo- how creative. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> how how could that happen? Um, but basically, uh, it's like these mushroom this these spores, like for most people, just killed them. But then there are other people that have turned. It's turned them into a basically type of zombies and um the beginning of the game it's uh it starts you off you're playing this kid and it's the night when everything starts going to shit and from there you jump forward and then you see what the world has become and the whole thing uh you you play a guy who is not a good guy his name is joel he uh He's basically kind of just a mercenary dude who will do anything for money at this point. And his, he's tasked with delivering this girl to a group of... It's basically a, almost like a terrorist cell. And uh, the, ga- the bulk of the game is you journeying with this teenage girl across the United States to try and deliver her because she might hold the cure. And it's... I, it's just brilliant, like the vocal performances and the writing marry together so well, and the game is so bleak and brutal, and yet there are moments in this game, of beauty that are just it's pure poetry. And mm-hmm. then again, I keep coming back on these these single player games. The end hits like a fucking truck. Mm-hmm. Like the end, like it's there's a moment of ambiguity at the end. That is one of the best things I've ever seen. And that is not in video games. That is just straight up in any type of media. And I am dying to play the sequel. And I also am scared to play the
2: sequel because, because because how, how do they reach that pinnacle again?
1: But you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a brilliant game. Like,
2: I don't know what else to say about it. Like I'm I'm not I'm again I'm not gonna be afraid to throw spoilers out there. This is a seven year old game. If you haven't played it and you want to fast forward for a little bit, but the, the big part of this game for me, my favorite part was just it, it was Joel and Ellie. Um their their relationship. So the very beginning of the game is Joel and his daughter. And then when the pandemic starts, basically the the military comes. They put a bullet through Joel, and it ends up killing his daughter. So he kind of goes off the deep end. He becomes this, this, like you said, a mercenary. And then he gets tasked with taking this girl that might hold the cure for humanity under his wing and transporting her across the United States. I think they go to Utah. And their relationship starts out a little... Strained, and then they, she fills that daughter role for Joel, and he fills the father for Ellie. And I, I'm not gonna lie, the first time I played this in that first 15 minutes, that cutscene, I, I lost it for a little bit. I was like, "What the fuck is this game gonna be?" And it, it's very rare that the combat and everything takes a complete backseat to just. The two main characters, and it, once again, it's it's a it's a story that if you made it right in a theater would win awards. It it's this is art. The way the characters are written and the story is art, and it's it's a it's one of, it's one of my top five games overall ever. It doesn't get better than this.
0: When I first saw this game, and you know saw clips of it, and you know read about it. I felt like it was going to be a rehash of resident evil. You know, there was a lot of things just by the way the inventory looked, you know, just the, the two character co-op play, um, you know, and obviously the, the plot containing a zombie like creature, you know, I basically thought this was a resident evil six and a half or whatever the fuck, but you boot it up and it's, not that at all. Um, extremely heavy plot the entire time
2: mm-hmm.
0: that you get sucked into really easy. But it's something I think you've got to be in the right headspace to play right now, too. Mm-hmm. So now may not be the best time to boot this up, but it really is a incredibly powerful story. And, you know, uh, the gameplay is, while it takes a back seat, is equally solid you know so there, at no point do you feel like the game is lessened because of the gameplay or that the plot is lessened because of the gameplay you know it it does a good job of doing its part to carry this thing through the end and so you're able to experience
2: and feel the story from beginning to end yeah it's it's a very brooding story i guess would be a good word for it and while you're playing it you you never really lose sight of the like when you're killing clickers which by the way are like a top five like tight butthole sound in all of video games when you hear that clicker you're like <laughs> you still you like sit straight up you're like where but you never <laughs> you never really lose sight of every time you put one of those down that was a person and and that that heaviness kind of follows you throughout the entire game and I think that once again that in itself is, that's an achievement to make, you know, when you beat that boss, you're not really giving yourselves props and you're not giving your buddy a high five. You're like, yeah, that was another life. (laughs) And that's, that's what the game does to you, but they tell such an amazing story.
1: Like I never thought standing in a video game and just watching video game giraffes, walk across (laughs) the feet, like what used to be like a courtyard of a city would make me tear up. Mm -hmm. And it did. And like, that's an achievement. And I feel like that's, it's just a beautiful game.
0: So moving on to my number one, and the only way that we were able to keep this episode under 90 minutes was by having four repeats amongst the three of us. Uh, so I'm going to get right into it. My number one is Fallout 3. Uh, Brian touched on it earlier. And this for me was probably where I got other than NCAA football. You know, this is where I got the most money out of my Xbox, uh, my Xbox 360. And I had actually played the other two games on PC when I was in high school. Um, like Brian mentioned, you know, real-time strategy games, you know, think Diablo type over the top. Um, And always had that same vibe of this 50s, 1950s style coupled with the apocalypse. And so it's always been kind of this cheesy, smiling, thumbs-up guy. And, uh, you know, the very retro and, and mod styles coupled with giant radioactive scorpions and to see fallout 3 go from that over-the-top pc game to this huge in-depth open world that i could explore at my own pace and get hours upon hours worth of side quest lore that really helped flesh out that story but it's completely optional you know if, if you don't want to read about what happened in the before times, you don't have to. But the amount of effort and the amount of fleshing out that they did throughout that story was a big part of what captured my heart with this one. Um, You know, I think the plot is great. I think the gameplay is. Good, Uh, you know, moving from that PC style of point and click to go into the VAT system, you know, I thought was a good transition to be able to pinpoint where you wanted to lock in your shots. Um, you know, the, the amount of exploration you could do and the amount of paths you could take to get to the final destination were great. Uh, this for me is my favorite fallout game. I know a lot of people love new Vegas and I know a lot of people love fallout four, but fallout three is the one that really captured my heart. Um, The DLCs are good. You know, I I think they're a lot of fun. But just playing through this game and and seeing the nation's capital in this post-apocalyptic wasteland with a bunch of super mutants and rad scorpions and and all this shit around is kind of a shocking visual that uh, has stuck with me. And I, I know that there's some improvements in gameplay with the other two, you know, New Vegas and Fallout 4, but... This
1: for me feels like the most complete game. Well, I would disagree that uh, New Vegas had any improvements. Uh, just, well, and uh, like and, uh, <laughs> I, I actually think the story is really cool, and I like the faction based stuff. But uh, that game is a glitchy piece of shit in a lot of ways, and it's yes, it like, is. Like I mean, it's a it's a cool game, and like it's it's good, but like not technically uh, by any stretch. No, um, I think like weirdly like I think I prefer the way this could sound I'm not sure how to phrase this I prefer a lot of things about fallout 3 but I like the way fallout 4 plays better if that makes sense like I like her I think I like a lot of the setting of 3 better I think I like a lot of the missions in 3 better but 4 has just enough of the quality of life stuff added on that it works a little bit better for me but also that's on a new that's on a completely different gen like this was right no like this is crazy back then and like there's so much that you could talk about with Fallout three but what i want to talk about is tranquility lane because that is the coolest goddamn mission ever (laughs) like when you go into that vault and then suddenly you're booted into that weirdo vr world and what the fuck is going on and this is creepy and like it's so meta and smart and oh god it's just great like i I love it uh like fallout's its own like like you like you both kind of talked about its own weird bizarre like alt history like where what basically instead of going with micro micro processing and stuff they just went full nuclear and then like because that you know makes Mm -hmm. sense or whatever but oh man like the fact that they were like here's old weirdo computers and oh god so good oh man they
2: they had some side quests in that game that you know a, a lot of times in games that are this big the side quest will um like distract and take away from the main storyline but i feel like fallout does a really good job of their side quests they they want you want to do the side quest because you want to learn more about what happened so like you know you're all the vaults that you can stumble upon like you were in vault 101 and you can stumble in all these other vaults and one sticks out to me i don't remember it doesn't matter what number it was but there's one you go into and each vault is basically It was the government running an experiment on the people inside of it. And one vault, they just cloned this one dude over and over. His name was Gary. So you're walking through the vault and you never see anybody, but you hear this one guy go, Gary, Gary. And then you hear footsteps and then you'll go a little bit later on and you'll hear another guy screaming about Gary. It's that weird humor but it's also like you get a little bit deeper into the lore. You're like, oh fuck! So nothing in this game is as it seems. And then you also right. you also get Megaton, which the first city you show up on has this undetonated nuclear bomb in it. And then later in the game, you get to decide, uh, depending on you know it's kind of your your light side, dark side. Which path do you want to take? But you get to decide what to do with Megaton. It's full of ghouls, which are you know the irradiated humans. Do you like them? Because if you don't, congrats—you can change the game. It's just—it's it, fun stuff like that, like fun stuff. But it, it's side quests like that, and and the overall lore that—that's the big allure of Fallout games.
1: Well, like with this game, you can beat it in like two hours, right?
2: Like, I'm, yeah, if you go if you go right through, like, yeah,
1: you can just go straight to the end and like just end it, which is hysterical. Yeah, and, yeah, it's just yeah. a guy. So. <laughs> Well, anyway, um,
2: yeah, yeah, that's good. That's it. There's a lot of big hitters in that gen. And like when I was trying to make the list, I was like, oh, shit. There's just so many. I mean, I didn't have a single multiplayer game in there, which is wild to me. But there were just so many good experiences on that on that gen.
0: There is a lot on the cutting room floor for these lists, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think that gets back to, you know, having true reliable online capability you know in the dlc that came with that for the single player games plus you know what it gave us for multiplayer you know this was a huge gen of system for us um, you know especially probably for us at our ages you know we were starting to become a little more financially independent
1: and you know be uh well kind of i mean the three sixty that was in my apartment was bought off uh, loan money that we uh, we three went and got and then shook at the suckers at Best Buy that were in line. I
0: will remember that <laughs> night for the rest of my
2: life. Picked it up in Fremont at Walmart. Like t- they sat in line yep. for hours and hours and hours. We just drove an hour, walked right out. Oh shit! And then we ate. Yeah, oh, I think
0: we we bought that and Prince's thirty one twenty one album and had a nice little ride yep. back oh yeah it was
2: oh a good time. yeah good good memories well
1: that's that's the ps3 360 i guess there was a wii game in there too uh so yeah that's yeah, that gen. um fuck you wii u we yeah we <laughs> spent a lot of time and a lot of money on that generation of games and anyway we'll be coming back soon with the current gen We'll see you soon. All right. Take care, guys.
0: Bye, guys.